Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP, always designing for people. A warning, this episode contains explicit language. The very funny Hulu comedy Extraordinary is about a smart but directionless young woman named Jen who lives in the big city and doesn't feel great about herself. She's dealing with those feelings of inadequacy and alienation by flatly refusing to deal with them at all. Instead, she hurls herself into a lot of hilariously bad choices about sex, friendships, family, and more. That's a familiar comedy premise, of course, but there's more to Extraordinary, because in the world of the series, Jen is the only one she knows who does not possess superpowers. I'm Glenn Weldon, and today we're talking about Extraordinary on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Third Love. Third Love makes solutions for every bra problem. Give yourself more lift, smoothing, and get straps that stay put. Every style's wear-tested on real women, made from premium materials, with a virtual fitting room to help you find your perfect fit. Comfort and support are guaranteed. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Joining me today, back, back, back again, is Christina Tucker, co-host of the podcast Wait, Is This a Date? Welcome back, Christina. Hello, my friend. Thrilled to be here. Always great to have you. So on Extraordinary, Mairead Tires plays Jen, a 25-year-old Northern Irish woman living in East London. Everyone else in the human race gets superpowers on or about their 18th birthday, but Jen's still haven't kicked in. Her long-suffering best friend and roommate Carrie, played by Sophia Oxenham, can channel the dead. Bilal Hasna plays Carrie's deadbeat boyfriend Cash. He can turn back time by a few seconds. We also meet a character played by Luke Rollison, who's got a case of superpowers-related amnesia. Jen's not on great terms with her younger, overachieving half-sister Andy, played by Safia Oakley-Green, and she's got a contentious relationship with her mom, played by the great and good Siobhan McSweeney, who plays Sister Michael on Dairy Girls. Jen's mom can control electronics, or she would if she understood how they worked. So you get the point. Extraordinary may be set in a world of superhumans, but it's more concerned with the humans than it is with the super. Extraordinary is the first series created and written by Emma Morin. All eight episodes are streaming on Hulu. Christina, talk to me. Extraordinary. What'd you think? I had such a fun time with this show. Mm -hmm. I loved how built out the world is and that we are beyond the place of asking questions about who, what, where, when, why this gift comes to people. I don't care. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. They have it. Or in some cases, they do not. Mm -hmm. I loved that this show did a really good job of kind of dialing into not only the selfishness of our main character, Jen, but the selfishness of people generally. Exactly. The powers they have are used honestly, rarely for good, rarely for anything but to, like, impress other people and themselves quite often, uh -huh. um, which did make it very fun to watch because I was sitting there thinking, this is not making me want superpowers, <laughs> but maybe I still do. I thought all of the relationships were really beautifully observed and written, and it felt somehow like a world I recognized, despite the fact that there are people who can make PDFs out of anything as a superpower. <laughs> yes, that's a thing. I mean, you nailed it. Because in the intro, I talked about Jen's mental health and her bad choices, and I kind of snuck in the superpower stuff at the end there. Mm -hmm. Because I know so many people are going to be like, oh, superpowers, I'm out. And this show, 
It's not about the superpowers, except in a sense it is, because it's about how ordinary and messy uh, humanity is, or at least humanity at this specific phase of life. You know, she's in her 20s, when you're feeling stuck and overlooked, and when you're watching your friends uh, succeed, or worse, when you're watching your enemies succeed. Mm. Uh, But it all works, right? Yeah, it all makes sense. Because the world building is just there, but it's not there enough. We don't get a scrawl. We don't get a voiceover, thank God. We don't get her turned into a camera to explain anything. It's just asserted. And, you know, let's not turn this into a graduate seminar, but there's everything working on a kind of a metaphorical level. I mean, Carrie has other people speaking through her. Mm -hmm. So she starts to wonder why nobody ever wants to hear what she might have to say. And Cash keeps turning back time to try to be a better boyfriend. (laughs) But he's breaking, I think, the second law of thermodynamics to just gaslight his girlfriend. And Jen has a hookup who literally flies out the window after (laughs) sex. Um, We never get quite the full metaphorical breakdown of the man with a 3D printer in his butt. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily want to unpack that too much, but I'm sure... There's a lot to say there. A lot to say there. There's a lot. (laughs) But see, like, that's the thing. I kind of want to warn people about this show because this tone... Yeah. Super broad comically broad, very silly, often kind of dumb. And I've been trying to talk to people about the tone, about what to expect, and I'm coming up dry with things to compare it to. Do you have any suggestions, anything it reminds you of? I don't think there's a one-to-one, but I think the closest I came is a combination of Please Like Me, right? You've got a kind of group of friends with a self-centered like protagonist who are kind of directionless, but do care about each other. Mm -hmm. And then I think also Doom Patrol. Oh, that's good. I think that's the closest as I can get. If you imagine a marriage of those two shows, I think this is where you would land. Doom Patrol's got the superpowers that are weird and there are butts in that as well. And oh. their <laughs> butts show up here. I think mm-hmm. that is like the closest comparison space I could make for those shows. Oh, that makes sense to me because I've been saying spaced meets fleabag, but that really kind of oversells it because mm-hmm. it's not, those are a very high bar to clear. It's a high bar. It's a very high bar. I, I think it meets it though. I mean, this is entirely my jam. It's, yeah. it's not going to be for everyone But I think one thing the show does that's really smart is it kind of delivers a mission statement in that very first scene. Yes. Which is, she's at a job interview. Just to set this up, we have a clip. And unbeknownst to Jen, her interviewer is someone with the power to make people tell the absolute truth. And so the interviewer lobs a very easy question at the start by just asking her how her trip into the office that day was. It was terrible. I got the bus because I'm poor and it smelled like warm raw chicken. And I'm really nervous, so I thought I was going to myself the whole way in but I didn't and if I'm sitting weirdly it's because I think my tampons come out but I didn't have time to go to the bathroom downstairs because I slept in because I spent so long last night trying to make myself but I couldn't because my antidepressants all right now if you all are scoring at home that is poop menstruation and masturbation in the first 30 seconds and even there like the superpower that's being used isn't really there to just be look at this wacky superpower it's there to get us inside Jen's head Mm -hmm. like as a shortcut right into it right into it and I think something that is really uh, thrilling about this show is just the confidence in which it throws us into this world and continues Mm -hmm. throughout the story I never felt like I was at any point in the hands of someone who was like, do are they going to know how to wrap this up? Or are they going to know how to like, you know, complete this arc in a satisfying way? Everything felt so observed and real that I was like, this feels like a reality, even though, again, there are 3D printers and butts. There are butts sticking out of walls. Mm-hmm. There are very um, sad costumes being made for an attempt to be a vigilante group. Like there's a lot of good, like kind of nutty stuff that's happening, but it's also grounded and realistic that it just feels like, yeah, this is what would 
would happen if we all had superpowers. Yeah, and that's what the show is saying, right? It's saying that even something as miraculous as everybody getting superpowers, how would it change humanity? Uh, this show comes back with the assertion that it wouldn't. Really wouldn't. This show is about settling. Everybody on the show has settled. Humanity hates change, so everyone gets a superpower, but then simply makes it a part of their dumb, boring lives. You know, systems don't change. Nope. Carrie's employer is still exploiting her power without compensating her for it. And, you know, after the first episode, you could be thinking, okay, this is a one-joke show, but there's been real thought to the world. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't know how it happened, but just that something happened 10 years ago. There are still bleak, depressing little party stores on every corner, but <laughs> the balloons get blown up by a guy who breathes helium. That's a superpower. Uh, one of my favorite touches is there's next to Jen's apartment, there is a shuttered-up comic book shop, because why do you need comics anymore if everybody has superpowers? Who's reading a comic? When they, she goes to a school, her old school, School, there's all these chirpy posters on the wall that are very, like, up with people, very, like, mm. some people have visible farts. That's just life. And you're like, yeah, yeah, they've done some real thinking. <laughs> they really have. And I loved, you know, because Jen doesn't have powers, there's this idea that there's, like, you know, this whole company whose job it is to help you find powers. And, like, mm -hmm. of course what they are doing is exploiting people who don't have powers for so much money. Like, it all just tracks. It tracks. And I did keep thinking as I was watching, I was like, it's wild that... There's no real booms in infrastructure, technology. Mm -hmm. We've done none of those things. No, no. Instead, if I have power that can control water, I'm just going to make sure it splashes on the woman next to me instead of me. And I'm <laughs> going to keep my day kind of moving. Yeah, it felt a little grim, but in a way that I was like, well, it seems fair for where we are right now. Fair. Bleak, but fair. Bleak, but fair. And th there is some cause for hope because you mentioned the vigilante group um, who are just these sad dudes who decide that they're going to put on costumes and, and save women, protect women. And sad they are. And it posits a world in which the leadership of this group is not determined by election or by consensus or by competition, but by which one of these men can locate the clitoris on a diagram. <laughs> And I watched that, and I was like, oh, it's funny these guys are doofuses. And then I thought for a little bit longer, and it's like, what is it positing here, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't have a horse in this race. I'm a gay man. But even I know how much that would objectively improve society if that's – imagine a world. Imagine a legislature where that's how we chose our leaders. And they simply can't do it, you know? And it's kind of harrowing to watch a group of gentlemen sit around and fumble and think and, and wonder. How can you lead a group saving women when you don't know where the clit is? The what? The clit. Do you mean the clit? That's that's what I said. No, you said clip with the D. He's stalling. I think we should. I can do it. <sighs> Dark stuff. One of the things I want to tackle here also is this notion that Jen is unlikable. Uh, that is a word. Whenever I see a critic or anyone, uh, you know, anybody uh, call a character unlikable, I always think that says more about the critic than um, the character itself because. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned this. Likeability, it's it's boring. Um, it's a mugs game. It's a cheat. You can game it really easily. Just have the character save a cat. Boom, likable. And it's a word that also tends to get slapped to female characters more than yeah. male characters. I mean, nobody said Don Draper was unlikable, even though he was famously a jerk. I don't know. What, what do you make of Jen? She's selfish. She's impulsive. She's thoughtless. I mean, the combination of being in that, like, kind of mid-20s directionless zone, I remember it well. I don't think I was as obnoxious, but listen, I've got friends who could say otherwise, and I would not disagree with them. Exactly. Um, and the other thing I kept thinking was, I would be the worst person on earth 
if everyone around me had some sort of superpower and I did not. Mm-hmm. You would have to send me away. I would have to be killed. I would be a monster every second of every day. Everything would be about me and how unfair my life was. Mm-hmm. And I find that very relatable. And just because it is at times unpleasant to watch does not mean it is not worth putting your eyes on, I would say. I mean, she's thoughtless. She's in her 20s. We are her. She is us. Exactly. We are she. And (laughs) it's the feelings that she's stewing in. And Mm -hmm. this is, again, the metaphorical level of the show. She's stewing in these feelings. And people who kind of, you know, and I've seen some bubbling up online here about how she's unlikable and how, you know, I would never treat anybody that way. And yet you would. You probably have. You just didn't know it because yours is an unexamined life. It's very easy to watch someone make a bad decision and be like, never me, never I. But like that is not how humans work, turns out, a lot of the times in life. And I think one thing that is lovely about the show is as we get to see her in her life and her friends and her family, I think especially, you kind of understand where she is coming from and why she has arrived at this very emotionally stunted place. And again, I'm just like, I wouldn't believe her if she was a nice person. I would say, I don't know how you're a nice person. Explain (laughs) to me why. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to hit that we haven't gotten to? I think those were all my big points, Um, especially that I just kept coming back to being like, ooh, I would want a power, but no, I wouldn't. But yes, I would. I really was having like a fun time with that internal debate as a viewer, just thinking like, well, if I had a power, I want a good one. But like, what is a good one in this world, really? I mean... I guess like the flying. Sure, the flying is that's unalloyed good. Summoning yeah. fish is um, if you can't control them, you can merely summon them. And then what do you do with them? You know, you bring one fish exactly. in a room, and then it's just flopping on the ground, and then you're like, "Well, there's a fish." There's like, a fish. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, if you're a pescatarian, I suppose that's a thing. But otherwise, yeah. that's just it's a lot. It's a lot. No, but I I found it really charming and really like well observed and thoughtful, and I think it's a it's a lovely little show that kind of just appeared like a gift out of nowhere, like mana from heaven. I think we can all appreciate that gift. <laughs> well, we want to know what you think about extraordinary. Find us at facebook.com/pchh. That brings us to the end of our show. Christina Tucker, thanks to you for being here. Oh, an honor, a delightful time as ever. Always, always a delight. We want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet and you want to show your support and listen to the show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour or visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Candice Lim and Hafsa Fatima and edited by Jessica Reedy. Audio engineering was performed by Trey Watson. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music, which you are summoning fish to right now. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Glenn Weldon, and we'll see you all tomorrow when we will be talking about the new movie, Knock at the Cabin. This message comes from NPR sponsor, State Farm. In the market for small business insurance, State Farm knows your business is your life. State Farm agents are small business owners, too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Host a celebratory brunch for less with 365 by Whole Foods Market. Featuring wallet-happy finds like cold smoked Atlantic salmon and more. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we 
condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR.